You're listening to the Kingdom Way podcast by Center Network. The Kingdom Way is a podcast meant to create and cultivate the kingdom in and through all of us. Please enjoy. Okay, so I'm so excited today. I have my um, sweet friend Regina here with me. Uh, we've been talking about um, biblical justice as our manifesto this last month, and it's been really good. And so we just thought, man, who is somebody in our community that is really, um, you know, doing this every day? And um, the Lord just brought you to to our mind. So we just want to say thank you for being here today. And um, so. It's really exciting because you have a, a whole new um, title, job responsibility. I do you do. want to introduce do. yourself and tell us about that? Sure. Well, first of all, I am honored to be here. Um, thank you for having me. Yes, so my name is Regina Glass, and I am the new executive director of Hope Ministries of Northeast Texas. And new as of August 1, so I'm still kind of <laughs> feeling my way out and trusting God every step of the way, but... Um, so far, it's been great. Um, I've kind of come up in the ranks of hope. I started out, well, really as a as a single mother. And I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about that when you're ready. But um, just a little bit about hope is we're a multi-generational model of single mothers, children, and seniors now that um, are living in community and honor and really just experiencing transformation in every area of their life. Yes, I... I love hope so much. I've had just a really like kind of from an outside perspective leaning in for several years, kind of watching, um, um, what hope has, how it started and how it's grown and just God's favor in it. And, um, man, I'm just drawn every time I drive by that place, I just want to stop my car. I have to actually like keep my car from just pulling over. Cause you just walk in and the presence is there. Um, and it's just such a sweet, um, amazing thing that you guys are doing there. And I love that it's multi-generational. I think God is all over that. Yes. Uh, we've been focusing on what's this generation for a long time. And he's like, no, I mean, it's all generations, right? It's all, yes. So I love that. Um, And I love that over the last few months, um, as we've just kind of worked more closely with hope, um, that we've got to got to get to know you and the mothers and, and the seniors, man, they are fierce prayer warriors. Listen, I say they will pray (laughs) the paint off the wall. (laughs) I mean, yes. So it's like, I don't know. It's just so sweet to see what God's doing there. It and it's, I mean, it's sweet, but it's powerful because it transformation is happening. It's so absolutely, beautiful. Absolutely. Well, you know, God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yes. So you're absolutely right. His heart is for generations. Mm-hmm. And that is something that it brings the anointing for that. But yes, um, the seniors add value um, to our family. And we are blessed to have them covering pretty much every step in prayer, you know, and we know that they are warring for the families and for us as leaders and for the ministry as a whole and for this community as well. Yes, that's what I love because um, you can hardly pray with any intercessor there that they're not warring for this city. Absolutely. I mean, they have been sown into this city in prayer for years and years, and it's a beautiful thing. Um. I was going to, I'm going to look up a scripture, but, um, I want to, you had, you had shared a little bit about, um, well, I'm going to get to the scripture first. I was just thinking about, um, Isaiah 61 and 
this is um, definitely what I feel like God has always been doing, but um, he's definitely, um, I guess, um, emphasizing this. And I think Hope has been doing this for a long time. So what a good example you have been for so many who are stepping out to do hard things. Mm-hmm. Um, so Isaiah 61, um, for the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim to the captives that they'll be released and the prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come and with it, the day of God's anger against their enemies to all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. And I love because here's the here's the thing that's just so beautiful that hope does so well. It says they will rebuild the ancient ruins, repairing cities destroyed long ago. They will revive them, though um, they have not deserted. Uh, though they have been deserted for many generations. So again, that's redemption, right? And God's emphasizing the the generation. So it says, who is they? Who's going to go back and rebuild? The ones who've been set free. The poor that know that they're, you know, not no longer prisoners. And and that's the promise of our covenant making God. And it's like hope has been going after this generationally, but it's like the ones who've been set free, they're going to go back. The ones that know, right? And so what I love about this is we got to go to Memphis. Tyler and I got to go to Memphis with hope. I love that you say you're the, you're the executive director of Northeast Texas Hope Ministries, because man, God is blowing up hope. Uh, Brazil, and I mean, there's just seeds being planted everywhere. But um, but specifically, um, we got to go with Memphis and just support y'all and love y'all. And I got to hear for the first time your testimony, and man's powerful. It wrecks me every time. So um, I just wanted to see if you would share that a little bit. Absolutely. Well, you know, the first of that scripture says the spirit of the Lord is upon me Mm -hmm. and for he has anointed me. Yes. And you know, when we overcome things in our own life, then the anointing is there for the other people, Mm -hmm. for, for the prisoners that are still in darkness. And it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. And so my story, um, really began when I was a teenager. I got pregnant at 16. I got married into an abusive marriage and um, just everything that came with that, when I was finally able to leave the marriage, it came at the cost of my children. My husband got custody of them. And that sent me into a spiral of trying to cope with trauma um, in the only way that was around me, which was every bad way, drugs, alcohol, toxic relationships. Um, I, I think that I knew the truth a bit. I was drawn to church when I was a kid, um, but not enough to know that not only did Jesus die for me, but he died so that I could have a relationship with him. Mm-hmm. And it was that relationship, you know, that's supposed to come in and, and help you through the hard times. And so I looked for everything else to fill that void. And that led me down a very dark path for a very long time. Um, I was in and out of jail, uh, ultimately ended up in prison behind my addiction. I was in and out of one abusive relationship after another and really just lost. Mm. Um, I was saved as an adult when I was in Nacogdoches County Jail, as a matter of fact. And I just shared this um, testimony the other night that um, it it is the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony Mm. um, that... You know, God would find me in a jail cell and 
that I was searching for something that I didn't even know what I was looking for mm-hmm. and cried out, if you're real, you're going to have to show me. You know, I, I was yeah. 20 and cocky and gave God an ultimatum. <laughs> <laughs> like, you owe me something. Um, but in his goodness and in his faithfulness, he did. Mm-hmm. And uh, he started teaching me just fundamental truths just by the Holy Spirit. I had no one in there with me, like wow. preaching or teaching, just me and God and my Bible. And I was hungry for it. Um, the problem was when I got out, I had no safe place to go to. Mm-hmm. I went right back where I came from. And, you know, there's a, um, a saying like in recovery, if you go to a barber shop every day, eventually you'll get a haircut. And so it was kind of that same principle. People, places and things were all familiar and ended up doing the exact same thing. The difference was there was truth inside of me that I was still hungry for. Mm-hmm. So I found myself in this really um, weird place spiritually because my flesh was doing all the wrong things but my spirit was wanting all of God Mm -hmm. and if you don't believe that that will make a person miserable in their own skin let me tell you and so what would happen is that I would think I needed to clean myself up for God and I would do that Mm -hmm. and I would run to him but in my own strength which will not take me very far I would fall flat on my face and then condemnation would come in, and I would run from God. And that became a cycle for 18 years, uh, just this back and forth, um, until finally I reached a point of surrender. Um, God used, um, he, he allowed me to have a moment of clarity at a very, very dark time in my life to see what the choices that I were making, that I was making the result would be. You know, how this started was not necessarily my fault. But as I continue to make the same choices, the burden of responsibility, you know, falls on me. And so I reached a point of surrender to where I was willing to do whatever it took. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you, God in his goodness allowed me to come to the absolute end of myself. Because when he picked me up from that place, he set me on a firm foundation to know that there's no lie in hell that can come against my identity today. Mm-hmm. There's no temptation of the world that's going to pull me back to that dark place. You know, I'm I'm grateful that I hit rock bottom. It was the absolute best thing that ever happened to me. And usually when I share my testimony, I'll say, because Jesus was the rock at the bottom. Yeah. You know, there's that's a scripture so that says you can break yourself against the rock or you can allow the rock to crush you. Yeah. And, and that's what I did. I allowed the rock <laughs> to crush me, but it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Mm-hmm. And so I went to a faith-based program. I had a five-year-old daughter at the time um, that I could take with me. And let me tell you, that made all the difference. Mm-hmm. Looking back on the relationship with my other kids and how that all played out, had I not been able to take her, I wouldn't have gone. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just that's just truth. Yeah. And so I was able to take her with me, um, go through a year-long process of just coming to terms with my life, getting right with God, you know, learning that drugs and alcohol were just a symptom of a much deeper problem and allowing God to come in and heal those deep places and work on my parenting and gain tools that I needed to live a sober life And um, in that place, in that ministry, I found out about Hope Ministries. Mm -hmm. And I was just reminded, my friend uh, posted a song yesterday that's called Send Me. And when I got the opportunity to go to Hope, that's the scripture uh, that God led me to, was in Isaiah, where he said, Whom shall I send as a messenger to my people? Mm -hmm. And Isaiah said, Here am I, Lord, send me. And the Lord said, Yes, go. And so I came. And... 
for this part of my journey, the focus of that scripture has been, yes, go. Hmm. But now God is changing it to where it's, whom will I send as a messenger to hmm. my people? Hmm. And Isaiah said, here am I, Lord, send me. Mm-hmm. And so just like you said, you know, now it's those that have been set free that are going to look to the person that's still struggling and say, come on, I know the way out. Yeah. You know, and that's what I get the joy to do every single day at Hope. And I went through my process um, with Hope. I graduated that. I came into leadership as mom on the grounds, just serving the families. Mm. Uh, When I first got there, I prayed a prayer that changed my life, which was, God, I want to love like you, Mm. which sent me into a life of service. And so I began serving the people next to me, even in my own process. And then there came a period of time where um, I was given a, a leadership role um, to do what I'd already been doing. And so that was just God's um, goodness over that, you know. And and then I came into the ministry side with life coaching and just ministering to the mothers and, and just recently, you know, to executive director. And, you know, it, it's more than a role. It's a responsibility Yeah. because this was God's idea. You know, hope is his vision. It's his dream. And so to just that's a heavy mantle you know, to want to honor God and honor the people that he's given us to, to just love, to yeah. love all the way to freedom. Yes. Amen. That's so good. Yeah. So, um, there's several things that came to mind, but I just want to honor Jesus because I saw this so clearly when I heard you share your testimony, I had not heard your testimony until we went to Memphis and I just saw it again today. So I just want to, um, share that when both times when I heard you share your testimony, I saw, uh, women, back to like fill a room shoulder to shoulder so many of them and they all had chains and as soon as you shared your testimony the chains were falling and yeah. I could like hear them so there is power in your testimony and God is absolutely using your victory so I had a really powerful encounter with the Lord he came into the room I was desperate at the end of myself um And just like you said, such a gift. It's like, I remember in that time I was like, Jesus, I'm going to die. And he was like, good, I need you (laughs) to die so I can come in and be God for you. Right. But, um, I was, I was so utterly desperate at the end of myself and I had a powerful encounter with him where he came in the room and he said, your victory is my victory and my victory is their victory. Meaning that whatever we have victory over, we have authority over that thing. And just, just affirming what you had said at the beginning and how God is using the victory that you have. It's more powerful than just saying, I've been through it. There's actual authority to say, I'm going to lead you out of this thing. Right. right. With the grace of God. Amen. So um, I love that in your story. Um, we're talking about generational, that generational map that you guys are doing um, at Hope. And like even when you went to the to that second, was it rehab or it was a faith based? Faith rehab. Ba- OK. And they got and you got to bring your daughter like how beautiful that God was working on the generation even Absolutely. then. Right. Absolutely. And um, just healing that even then. As he was beginning to heal you. And I love how you testify that you weren't ever at this place where you were just done. But in the process, God was using you all along. Right. He's using um, not just your testimony, but healing for your daughter and for generations to come. And he's just so good. Like his. It's, he's endless. He's yeah. like, I'm saving you, but really I'm doing all these other all things these we other don't things. even see. Uh, absolutely. Right. Um, Okay, so um, 
Yeah. Thank you, Lord, for that. Um, so if you'll just talk a little bit about kind of hope and the, and the process we're, we're focusing on biblical justice. So really those who don't have a voice Mm -hmm. and man, I see it all the time every day. I don't know. You guys, you guys have a, a really unbelievable statistic about single, single, um, about single mothers. So I don't know if you want to share that, but just spend some time talking about that. Absolutely. So in the U.S. alone, there are 8.9 single mothers and they are the caregivers for the largest people group in poverty. Mm-hmm. And that is children at 21%. And there are, I don't know all of the statistics, but I, w- I will tell you that a fatherless generation is more susceptible to suicide, yes. incarceration, violent crimes, um, just high school dropouts, just all the things that, you know, when the family system is broken, the children suffer, Yeah, you know, and it's not that single mothers are the largest number of people in poverty. The children yeah. are the largest number of people in poverty. And I believe the statistic is like 17% are raised fatherless, mm. you know, so that that's amazing. And the fact that who will be their voice, yeah. you know, and if not us, who? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I, uh, we got to come and just, um, and just love on, on the moms, um, over the summer, I think, and I was praying about hope and the Lord was, um, was sharing with me that we are the most fatherless generation that didn't go, that hasn't been at war. So like fathers didn't leave at war and die at war, but we are the most fatherless generation where it's really by choice or really, actually, I believe it's that generational thing. We have fathers that didn't have, we have men, boys and men that didn't have fathers. So how are they going to be a father if they don't have that example? And just like you're saying the children, so what they experience at that age is what they're, being raised up in and so what we're what you guys are doing for the moms you're doing for for the children as well breaking that cycle um and and speaking freedom so talk about like just I mean I'm just a justice girl and I see just the struggle from afar not as intimately as as you do and of course um living that every single day but just like man what the the single moms go through Mm -hmm. on a daily basis. I mean, if people even knew a glimpse of it, I just think, man, why are we not rallying around them and supporting them and loving them like they need to be? Absolutely. Well, I will say that I'm a justice girl too. As a matter of fact, my oldest daughter's name is justice. (laughs) And so, um, I thought about that, but yeah, so the single mother, um, not everyone has a hard story Mm -hmm. like mine, but some do. Mm Mm-hmm. But many times you will find a woman that has put her life on hold to parent her children. You know, maybe she had a dream of going to college and never found the right opportunity to do that. Or maybe there's an unhealthy family system that is not coming around to support Mm -hmm. her so she can make changes. And that's where hope comes in Mm -hmm. because um, our idea is that we're going to come around these women where not only are we going to hold their hands up, we're going to walk alongside them. And the issues that single mothers face that hold them back, we're going to come in and do what we can do while empowering them to do their part as well. Mm-hmm. And so um, at, at Hope, you know, we have um, apartments. A woman that applies to our program, we, of course, listen to Holy Spirit. It's very spirit-led. Um, not everyone makes it. That's pretty much the hardest thing that, yeah. that we see. 
Um, but we trust that while they're with us, we are giving them what God wants us to give them. And then if they leave or when they leave, we have to trust that they're still firmly in the palm of his hand and he's going to continue to take them on their journey. But so they will come to a fully furnished apartment. Um, we ask that they work part-time and go to school full-time. A lot of times this seems um, kind of unreasonable um, because women will come in in survival mode mm-hmm. and they've had to be that way, you know, so they're, if you know anything about that, the brain activity is way at the back of the brain when they're in fight, flight, or freeze. Mm-hmm. And what we need them to do is to bring it to the front where they're able to make sound, wise decisions. Um, it takes a little while when they get there to kind of settle in and realize, okay, I'm in a safe place. Uh, what you'll see a lot of is they're waiting for the bottom to fall out. Mm-hmm. Something's going to happen because it always has, and, you know, this is too good to be true. And the longer that they're there, they come into a realization like, okay, this is working. I can do this. God can do this in me. And it's a beautiful thing, just even that initial transformation. Um, they do agree to not date or plan to date, and that is just to keep them free. A lot of times bad relationships, just like in my story, mm-hmm. That is a cycle that will pull them back quicker than just about anything. And it just gives them an opportunity to focus on themselves for once, you know, to not rely on a relationship. I have gone into bad relationships to provide a roof over my head or Mm -hmm. because I wasn't working, you know, that kind of thing. And, And we do see that a lot. And so that is a big cycle to break initially agreeing to come there and do that. And, um, but it is so empowering when they realize I'm doing this, you know, and of course yeah. God gets all the glory, but they're doing their part because yeah. transformation is, it's hard work. Yeah. It's hard work because it's hard work, you know, and that is the idea that, you know, poverty runs deeper than finances. Yeah. You know, there are four main areas and financial is one of them, but emotionally, spiritually, physically, you know, poverty, are they in poverty as in relationship with God or with the world? You know, and so the idea of hope is that we're going to come in and help them restore Mm -hmm. into all of those areas and be and be prosperous. And so one way that we do that is through education, um, through ministry time with them, through life coaching. Um, We help them set goals or they set their own goals and we help them establish an action plan that's going to keep moving themselves forward to reach those goals. Mm -hmm. And initially they need some help with that. You know, they don't, they don't know the next step. When they first come in, there's lots to do. But when that all kind of gets settled, it's like, okay, I don't, I don't know what to do next. And so we will help them. But the goal is by the time that they've been there a little while, they're coming in and saying, this is what I need to work on this week. And we're just, okay, how can we help you be accountable to that? You know, what do you need from us? What can we celebrate? You know, it's more about, about relationship than do's and don'ts, you know, and a lot of times that that takes an understanding on their part that we want to share life with you. You know, we, we want to celebrate the victories. We want to pray for the things that are challenging, you know, and, and it's really a, it's just a beautiful thing. It is. I, I am married. Um, I've been married 16 years. So, um, 
I'm definitely not a single mother, but I have wanted to apply for the program because <laughs> I have seen firsthand. I'm like, oh my gosh, I wish I could sit down because I, I never was taught like, you know, a budget or whatever. Absolutely. So I love that you are about res- like restoring the whole person that Absolutely. when they graduate, they really have the tools. And I know one thing that you guys say at Hope all the time is you are about empowering and not enabling and that yes. you really do break off that enabling kind of spirit, that place that we can get stuck in uh, when you are in survival mode taking care of not just yourself but multiple people um and um yeah so I love I love that I love that um that you're really equipping them and empowering them um so I know that you recently had a graduate that's going to be I believe the first one to start phase two so you kind of talked a lot about you know this initial phase that you guys have been sitting in and doing well for many years so talk about like the the next step for hope yeah so what we have seen is um, through the phase one process they are getting equipped um, like you said and budgeting we're we're helping them repair their credit they're getting lots of tools and lots of equipping for the next step But what we've seen is there may be a piece that just needs some additional love and attention. Mm -hmm. And um, what that looks like is they will be given an an opportunity to stay at Hope for an additional year while we work on some things that maybe haven't been the focus during their initial time there. Mm -hmm. Um, A big part of that is purity. Mm -hmm. What does a godly relationship look like? Yeah. Godly marriage, you know, matching them with mentors in the community they're going to come around them as the church yeah. when they're ready to finally leave the nest. And, you know, it, it's the responsibility of the church to come around them and help yeah. them succeed and, and do life with them the way that Hope has, you know, while they're with us. Um, another thing is home ownership. You know, we're, we're getting them prepared credit-wise, financially, um, that kind of thing. But what does it really mean to own a home? Mm-hmm. It's a big responsibility, yeah. you know. Right now, I always say we're kind of spoiled because we have maintenance and and volunteers. And but what happens when you purchase your your first home and, you know, something breaks? Like, what do I do? Who do I need to call? You know, that kind of thing. It's just going to give them an extra equipping to make sure that they are set to be successful in in every area. That's awesome. I love that. Um, Okay, so I want to if we're talking about going a little bit more about justice and um, I know there's um, God's doing incredible things and in planting hope ministries um, really all over the world and in the United States. So it's going to be really neat to see what God does and how he moves. But how can, if we say, if we say as believers that we should fight for biblical justice and we say that obviously, at least in our community, God has shined this light on single parenting, single mothers. How can we advocate for them if we don't um, volunteer or work at Hope? Well, that's a good question. You know, number one, always prayer, mm-hmm. always prayer. Another thing is just bringing awareness, you know, um, single mothers aren't the number one people in poverty and a lot of people I think as it's misunderstood because oh they have access to government assistance or food stamps or Medicaid which are great Mm -hmm. for a temporary relief yeah but um, really can end up being another form of slavery yes you know to get stuck in that cycle of dependence Um, so yeah just bringing awareness to it Um, I feel like it's it's our responsibility to speak out 
you know, if not us, then who? Like who will speak to the powers that be and say, okay, this this is an issue that's being overlooked. It's been ignored. You know, enough is enough. You know, what are we going to do about it? Yeah. You know, so even if it's not hope, get involved somewhere. Yeah. You know, if it's mentoring, we've, um, we are finally ready to kind of launch a new mentoring program that's going to bring people from the community to speak into the lives of these mothers. Um, it's going to be part of Christian Women's Job Corps. So when a mother comes in now, in addition to like the freedom classes that they already do and the practical classes on codependency, boundaries, that kind of thing, they're going to be also graduating with the Christian Women's Job Corps certificate. Mm -hmm. And a big part of that, like a key element, is mentoring. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, come in, speak life, just do life with them. Speak life over them, speak identity over them, encourage, motivate, you know. And like I said, if not hope, just somewhere. Yeah. It's everywhere. (laughs) Yeah, I know when I got back from Memphis, um, I just started praying, like, God, open my eyes to see a, a, a I mean, somebody that's around me who is parenting alone and how I can love them. Right. And it's been really cool, but also it's opened my eyes to see, like we say numbers. Um, but when you put faces to those numbers and you realize, man, probably one out of every five, you know, people around us are parenting like single moms or whatever. And, um, of course we, we, um, see that other end of like trying to help them with, practical things, food stamps, y'all, it's not as easy. Like we just, I assume that you just sign up and get it. It's so hard and we don't have anybody in your corner to help you. Um, just even think through it, you know, the burden of just having to like all juggle all these things you have to do and you're responsible for on your own and have somebody say, let me help you with that. Let me call this place for you. Let me run this errand. Let me make you a meal. Let me take your kids so that right. you can go somewhere by yourself um, for 10 minutes, you know? Right. Yes. And so um, I would just challenge anybody who's listening just to just pray and ask God, open my eyes to see um, a single mom I could love um, so in this season of life or, or definitely get connected with hope. I know y'all have lots of ways that you can love and serve or people can love and serve there. Yes, absolutely. Um, so I just wanted to, we'll have to wrap this up, but I just, um, I think it's so beautiful to see this scripture. We started in Isaiah 61 and it, you know, those will go back and rebuild. And so, um, I know that um, God's given favor for hope in the governmental places because mm-hmm. um, we can talk about loving, um, but when we talk about justice, it's it's bringing heaven's solution to a yes. broken system. Absolutely. Um, and so um, I just would, would like um, anybody who's listening just to be praying about, because um, I mean, the Lord's hand is on hope. I believe you're leading the charge to really see um, a change in our broken system um, that can come alongside and empower non-able single moms. So I would just challenge um, anybody who's listening to pray for that. But is there anything that you want to say about that? Just the system or? Yeah, well, so one big thing is like they can go through um, their process at hope, you know, get the healing that they need internally the tools that they need the equipping that they need but what happens when that season is over yeah even if they stay at phase two i'll tell you the number one problem that we are seeing is affordable housing yes affordable housing especially right now you know it is not a buyer's market it is a seller's market we had a a young lady that graduated with me from hope in 2019 and has the money saved up to purchase her own home and there's nothing available. 
you know, she wants to stay in this area. She was born and raised here, her Mm -hmm. kids. Um, So definitely um, an area to pray for solution is affordable housing. Yes. Amen. I mean, we see that across the board. We see that uh, with, yeah, I mean, and if we don't, really, if we don't rally around this, we're going to see a lot more of, you know, homelessness, transient, like just all these issues we're trying to rally around and solve. If we don't address this in our community, particularly, uh, we're going to see an increase in numbers. And also, if you think about a family that has been even a single parent family, that has been on government resources for extended periods of time that then enter, get the tools and the education. They enter the workforce. They become responsible, tax-paying citizens. And then what happens if they can't find housing in this area? Mm-hmm. They're going to take it somewhere else. Yes. You know, and yeah. they're going to put their contribution elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And um, we talk about they will go back and rebuild. We need mothers who have been equipped through Hope Ministries and been free to go back into these places in our city who they may not ever go to Hope, but they might live next door to a graduated Hope mom. And then they can get the same blessing and impartation that that hope mom did like we need them to be here to rebuild our city and to heal the the brokenness of single parenting well going back to the generational thing you know we're not just releasing healthy women back into the community as we minister to the children we're releasing healthy families yes you know and why not benefit our own community right here as these women go out and raise up their children and become city leaders and yes. in business, marketplace ministry, or whatever it is that God's called them to do, minister to the broken. You know, why wouldn't we want that for Mount Pleasant? Yes. And so one thing I say all the time that I believe God's doing in Isaiah, um, I think it's 58. He says, from the deep darkness, the light shines and it's mm-hmm. bright as new day. And it's talking about, you know, feed the poor, clothe, um, you know, or clothe or feed the poor, take care of the widows of that command to just love. Mm -hmm. And what I believe that God's doing is from the ashes of the dark places, we're going to see the people that have been set free, right? My victory is your victory. Your victory is their victory. And I'm telling you, I know you probably would agree, but the solutions for our city are in those single moms. Absolutely. Like if you think about, honestly, they're so brilliant. They're so resourceful. And if, and I, I believe that God wants to bring them complete healing because they do carry the keys to to the solutions to the things that we see in our city. They're vital to it. So we need to do everything we can in prayer and resources and partnership to make sure that they are surrounded and getting equipped and and set free so that God can release them. I do believe that I mean, they're, they're the ones where we can strategize all we want to, but God's saying the key is right there. Right. Well, I mean, just thinking about the multiplication of women that are being set free and fanning out across our nation, really. Yes. You know, yes, we begin at home. This is what we call our, our Nazareth, you know, but it's really for the healing of a nation, for the healing of the globe. You know, we're in Brazil now, um, Hope Brazil opened in May. Um, we have Memphis. We've trained for Rochester, New York, Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, we have visitors. We're planning a virtual tour right now, which is the first of its kind for us for Ohio and Rhode Island and possibly California. Wow. And so, I mean, if you just think about the multiplication of these women going out to help the next person and yeah. stopping for the one and what how that can transform our city, our region, 
our nation. Yes. Amen. Yeah, and they have the answer. They are yes. the answer. Yes. Yes. It's God's design. It is. So we better get behind it, right? Amen. Amen. Uh, and do our part. So I just wanted to share, I was thinking about um, Judy, um, who um, the Lord entrusted with this with yes. this vision and this dream, and she's carried it for all these years, really a forerunner, um, I believe, in our community, um, and this lay down a bunch of, of things so that people like us and the network and other initiatives and in, in the church can do mm-hmm. kind of outside of the box um, things in our city. But I remember she said that she had a dream and please correct me if I'm wrong. She had a dream and um, about this kind of this way mm-hmm. that she felt like God given um, to bring healing and restoration and freedom for single moms. But she's like, I don't have any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And she just basically like, she got a phone call and there was a single mom, yeah. I think sleeping in the car with her kids. Yeah. So she just started loving that. And I think that's a testimony. I think, you know, we think we have to like serve at Hope Ministries or we have to start our own ministry right. or we have to have all these resources and these backing. I mean, Judy was just faithful to love the one. Yeah. Love the one in front of her. So I just encourage you, whether it's a single mom or it's a, you know, a foster child, or if it's somebody struggling with addiction or divorce, that you just love that one. Because guess what? God did not make a mistake to put that one in front of you. You're absolutely equipped. You have Holy Spirit and all that you need to love them. So I would just challenge um, anybody listening to do that. And um, in, in closing, I just, one thing, you said this word many times and it's the word I would use when I um, would describe going to hope and how I feel. There's lots of things, but family. And I always tell people mm-hmm. when I look at the broken, I say, you just need one person in your corner. Absolutely. And that's to me what hope has done. You have this beautiful community. You don't have just one. Right. Like they, those moms are yeah. so blessed. And those seniors, they have a whole tribe mm-hmm. that are saying, I'm here for you. Mm-hmm. And, and Regina, what a difference that makes it when makes you have people say, I believe in you you can do it um and so i just anyway i just want to celebrate you i want to honor y'all and hope i just pray um you guys are going into new territory and i just pray that god blesses that and um that he would open our eyes to see our part and how we can love and serve not just hope ministries but the, the single moms that are implanted all over our city absolutely so do you want to close with anything or I think that pretty much wraps it up. Okay. Thank you so much for us. Thank you. Really for, good. <laughs> yes. Thank you for being here. And we love y'all. And if you want to yeah, get connected. We love you guys too. <laughs> if you want to get connected or know more about Hope Ministries, where can they go? Um, we're on Facebook, Instagram, and also our website is www.hopeofnet.org. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for listening, and we pray that this edifies your soul and that this blesses you today. This is the Kingdom Word. You're listening to the Kingdom Way podcast by Center Network. The Kingdom Way is a podcast meant to create and cultivate the kingdom in and through all of us. Please enjoy. Welcome to our first podcast. My name is Eric. I'm Shannon. And yeah, this is our first of many that we're recording. Um, we're hoping to do it at least one a month and uh, to do several. We're going to bring a lot of people on and just talk about the Kingdom Way. 
And so today is our first one, and every month we're going to cover um, one of our manifesto values. So our manifesto is just a document that, as a network, that we have um, adopted, but also uh, because we are all doing different um, missions, run our own different contexts, um, we, we serve in different areas, our manifesto is something that, as a network, um, our leaders and the people who are involved with us and partner with us, um, we agree to these values. And so we're already, um, this year we've been doing one every month, so we're already a few months in, but what is the one we're covering today? Kingdom Mission. Kingdom Mission. So do you want to read it, Shannon? Sure, of course. Okay. Okay, Kingdom Mission. We will do mission because we are sent people. We believe that the church is not the church until it is engaged in the mission for which God has called it into his marvelous light. We crave healing, discipleship, and intimacy with God, but we believe that all of these things come in large part through obedience to the mission. We believe that healing comes through offering healing to others, that discipleship does not primarily take place in a lecture but through doing. We believe that intimacy with God comes from being in His presence and through submission to His will by doing what He is doing. Since we believe that the life of Jesus and the early church demonstrate that God Himself is with the lost and the poor of the earth proclaiming the good news of His kingdom, we also believe that when we co-labor with Him as workers in the harvest field, we not only bring the kingdom into that place, but that we also experience the deepest and truest intimacy with God. Mm. So good. Yeah, there's a lot in that. And um, if, you're, if you're listening to this and you want to find that, you can go to our website. Um, it's centermp, like Mount Pleasant, mp.com. And it's on there if you want to read it for yourself. Um, but just upon first read, Shannon, what's like... What's your first take, just reading through that, of like what is Kingdom Mission? So I think the two things that really stand out to me is that we're sent people and that we're marked by what we do. And so that's what Jesus' life, what he demonstrated and modeled for us, but it's also what marks us is in our understanding of who he is and what he's done for, for each of us that we then turn around and do for others. But it's a doing and remembering that we are a sent people, that we're sent out into our context, that we're sent out into our everyday lives. It doesn't have to, we don't have to be, um, yeah, we don't have to have a title or um, a degree or a specialization. We just, like, in living our life, we're just doing mission. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there's like a, like a call to action in this one mm -hmm. for sure it's like uh just don't talk about it just don't like yeah like talk is cheap like actually live it out and do like live the life that jesus lived i think one thing is so we had our huddle last night yeah and um, one thing about the manifesto that is very similar to the huddle it's it's a place as you said where we all we're all doing um, different things and serving Jesus in different ways, but we're all united in this manifesto, these values, um, and then we come together at the huddle to 
to remember that, remember why we're all doing what we're doing, why we're all, as this manifesto says, obeying Jesus in the mission. Um, and one thing that I love is that, um, you know, we sometimes make it so complicated. We feel like we have to have things like in place or, you know, we have to wait until like, this is not my season to do it, or I'm too busy or I'm not equipped or I'm not whatever, just waiting for, I don't know, everything to like align perfectly. And then we're going to go out and be on mission for Jesus. But I just think that it's such a distraction. And I think that, um, like whether we know it or not, like we're all already equipped, Mm. like scripture is clear. We all have exactly what we need to do what he's called us to do in the moment. And maybe we're just, well, not maybe, I think we're just missing it and making it way too complicated. Yes. Yeah, we are. And I love what you said last night about like procrastination and like even the mind and how all of that works. And like, I think it's so true and how you really emphasize the enemy loves that. Like he loves that we sit down and we plan it. We get excited about it. We say we're going to do it. We get our friends together and we're like, yes, let's go out and change the world for Jesus. But like, then where's the doing? Yeah. (laughs) And that's what this manifesto is about. This value is like taking all those distractions, taking away the procrastination, taking away the belief and the facade that we have to have things in line and just saying, Jesus, today with the breath I have in my lungs and the things that you've given me, time, resources, um, abilities, strengths, I'm going to go out and I'm going to love the crap out of people (laughs) and obey you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we talked about, um, last night we talked about in Matthew 21, verse 28, the parable of the two sons. And how there's the first son that, you know, the father asks basically his two sons to go to work. And the first son's like, no, I'm not going to do that. And like, just basically denies his dad, like to his face. Mm -hmm. But later he goes and does it. And the second one's like, yeah, dad, I'll totally do that. And Mm -hmm. he just never does. And like, the point is just saying like, God values, um, obedience and action Mm -hmm. and doing, I believe over, just saying what you're going to do and that actually the first son is the one that obeyed even though to his face he was really harsh and like mean to him Mm -hmm. but he actually did something and he produced something and in the end he obeyed yeah and that's actually what pleases the father yes so i remember one time one of these this bible teacher that i love from community bible study said that um, God's love language, like we, we went to this, like our culture ate up the five love languages, like what's your love language? And she said that God's love language is obedience. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, that's so true. Like our true act of loving God is just obeying him. Um, cause it has all the components of trust and faith and love and all of those things. But what I love about what you said in reading the parable and, and we've kind of been thinking about it a lot over the last couple of weeks is that it's so counterculture to what's going on. It's like, think about how much time people 
just on social media, for example, like try to make their life look so perfect and so pristine and in this way and that way. And it's like you think about the time that they take to take a picture or to talk about what they're going to do. And it's like, man, but what's the like, what's the fruit of that? Like once you take all of those like filters and the time to get the perfect picture or whatever, it's like. What's really at the center of that? Like, what's the fruit of that? Yeah. Yeah. So you're saying, like, all the time that we take. To make it look good. Yes. Right? And it's kind of like the brother, because it's like, he's saying, he's like, I want to look good. Like, yeah, I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. Of course. And then we, like, turn around and we're like, okay, here's all the things to make it look like. Like, I remember somebody saying, or what's the saying where it says, like, fake it till you make it yes of like make it as long as it people from the outside look in and say oh it looks like they have it together it looks like they're the good christian it looks like that and i'm like how much have we fed into that like culture of acceptance and approval and people pleasing and all that stuff but what's the fruit of it like if you're really doing it you don't have time to like take a perfect picture and then write like a 30 minute post or five minute post about like how you love somebody. I don't know. I'm not saying that that's not good, but I'm saying we can so easily feed into that like expectation of culture. And it so much is like that son that was like, yeah, I'll do it. Mm -hmm. But he never did it because you get so, you get weary in the making it look like I'm doing it or you get weary in like the planning of it and you're too tired to actually go and do it. Or you have no more resources or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, so we're just stuck in, not we, but like, in general, the church, and especially in America, it's like we're stuck in this trap where basically, you know, going back to the procrastination thing and like just talking about it, um, I, I cited, it's like this study, because I used to be really bad procrastinator. Mm-hmm. Like my whole life, I procrastinated. Still something the Lord's delivering me of is is like, so I, I understand procrastination and it's um, something I'm not super proud of. But I remember reading this thing that really convicted me. And I forget, it was some study somewhere they did, where it was basically like a, in a procrastinator's mind, like a chronic procrastinator. It's like, like every year people say like, I'm going to go on a diet, I'm going to lose weight, I'm going to go to the gym, right? And so like... When somebody, a procrastinator, says, like, I'm going to go to the gym tomorrow. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to make this stand, and I'm going to, like, I'm going to start. It's like there's some, like, chemical release in your brain that, like, feels good. Like, it brings you satisfaction that you're, mm-hmm. like, even though you haven't gone yet, even though you're still, like, on the couch eating your chips, like, you're, like, you know what, tomorrow I'm going to go do this thing, and I'm going to, like, make a change in my life. And then they wake up the next morning, and I've done this. It's like you wake up in the morning, and you're like, ah, I'll start that tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And you've got, you've got all these excuses as to why you probably shouldn't start that today. But it's like, so like you're stuck in that trap, though, because it's the same like release that you get from deciding that you're going to do it as you would get when you actually go to the gym the mm. first time. So it's like, it's a trap. And that's why procrastination is a trap. And so the church is stuck in that like you're saying it's like we get excited about talking about changing the world and like loving the lost and discipling people and baptizing people and all this stuff it's like so that's the first part of the trap that we cycle down into is like we do there is some like joy and fulfillment that's somewhat addicting that we get from just going to a building and talking about actually doing the things 
that Jesus wants us to do, Mm -hmm. but never doing it. And then in that trap, because that feels good, like you're saying, now all of a sudden we feel like we have to make this gathering Mm -hmm. that makes us feel good because we talk about doing Jesus things, but never actually do it. Mm -hmm. Well, now we have to make this gathering look really good so that people will keep coming. And Mm -hmm. it's like, it's so it's like all this time and energy wrapped up in this production that actually isn't producing a whole lot of fruit. I had a friend of mine, um, you know, who told me recently, um, he's from down in San Antonio. We were talking about like how, what the way that we do things like with, with our micro churches and our initiatives and these like little ways that we're just out trying to do Jesus stuff. It's like on the outside, sometimes you look in and it just looks really unimpressive. Mm-hmm. Like if somebody were to come and look at some of our micro churches, it'd be like, this is it, mm-hmm. you know? And he was like, he told me, he was like, just be boldly unimpressive. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, who really cares? Like, we've we focus so much in our time and energy on making something look good mm-hmm. instead of actually, like, trying to do something. And even if to the outside eyes that are looking in, if it looks unimpressive, there's not a lot of people here or there's whole not a whole lot of change right now. It's like just the fact that these people are actually trying to do something for mm-hmm. Jesus and they're actually like stepping out in faith and it looks maybe kind of silly or insignificant. It's actually to me in the eyes of the Lord, it's incredibly like valuable mm-hmm. and amazing and, and profound because their time and energy is actually going towards real change and real kingdom stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think, too, it's, like, the kingdom way, like, is, like, quantity over, it's quality over quantity, right? So Mm -hmm. it's, like, Jesus, like, his way is always multiplication. It doesn't matter what you do. He's going to multiply it. But I feel like we've gotten into this, like, how many people, like, are we reaching, like, with this whole, like, with social media and influencing and things like that, and we know that culture will have a counterfeit to what the truth is, and I think what I've seen is that really Jesus is is raising up a generation of people that are tired of, like, the facade and the, the filters, like, they're looking for authentic truth. Like, they want to see people that are just living out the simple gospel. And um, I think that's really powerful. And, and I think, too, like, I just feel like we we're probably going to have to say this in every one of these podcasts. But just to be clear, like, I feel like the only way we're ever going to see change is if we talk about these things. And I feel like... Um, we live in a very like offensive culture where everyone's offended all the time, but the enemy loves that because it doesn't bring out truth. And so, um, I think it's important that we remind everybody that we actually really love the church, that we want to see the church be fully alive, alive and see her be all that she was created to be and, um, and see the church like, yeah, like, we want to see Jesus get his full reward in his bride. Um, but that's why I love this manifesto value because it's really emphasis. It, it, the emphasis is on the doing. The emphasis is on the mission. It's, it's not about how many people we can get in a building, but it's about like the one that you're really pouring <laughs> your life into. Yeah. And so I think, you know, we can spend 
maybe the second half of this podcast talking about like we've like you said we've highlighted maybe like the issues or like the ways that we haven't accomplished this like we need to and then we always also like to say okay how do you actually do this and Mm -hmm. live this out as well because there's like we can highlight the issues but we also want to like be providing a solution um before we do that though like I think one thing that stuck out to me as well is like it is about doing and it is about action but to me like when I read this value it says in there like that this is how you actually find true intimacy with the Lord right and so it is like upon first read I do see a lot of like action go do but I think that the heart and the motivation behind it is like that's where Jesus is Mm -hmm. and that's where you'll find him Mm-hmm. Um, you're not going to find them in a building necessarily. You can, but I'm saying if you want to continue to go into depth and like continue your walk and find him in the deepest ways possible, it's in the obedience to him and in the obedience to his mission and in the obedience to his calling on your life that you actually find like healing, forgiveness, mm-hmm. freedom, um, and just like a true and real relationship with him and that's really the goal Mm -hmm. to me like that's really what we're going after is like we just want him and 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 the the rest of the things that that come through that like the transformation is like is the is just the fruit of our intimacy with him yeah yeah I always think God is like he's such a like I don't know somebody used to say like he's Jehovah sneaky because it's like we think that we're going out and like loving like the lost and the poor but it's like in doing that they minister to us at least that's been my experience so much more than whatever I could offer them and um yeah I think that's a really beautiful and powerful thing and and what God does for one he does for all Mm -hmm. so it's like yeah it's like we think that we're going out and it's just really beautiful to like make yourself available and see God touch their life. But then he's also like going into the deep places of your own life mm-hmm. and fulfilling you in a way that you could never do in any other context, except for just loving the people he's calling you to love. Yes. Okay. So if you're, if we're going to talk to the people listening to this podcast and they're saying, okay, I agree um, maybe I personally, or I've been a part of, um, maybe that problem where I've, I've been talking about it for a long time, or I've been a part of a body of believers. We've been talking about it for a long time and I'm really ready just to live kingdom mission. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how to do that. I think that's a lot of, of the problem is like, I think there's a lot of believers out there that they really do want to do this and Mm -hmm. they're stuck in that trap and they just can't get out of it and so how 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 do we help them do that or, or what would your advice be to somebody who might be in that situation well I think um probably like personally my first recommendation I guess which is I think is sort of a known no-brainer but is super important is that you have to have a very um like 
committed relationship with Jesus first because you can only go out and obey him. Number one, when you know, like I love in the manifesto, it's like you're doing what you see him doing. And it's like, I love Jesus. Like one of my favorite things that he says is uh, to the disciples is he says, I only say what I hear the father say, and I only do what I see the father doing. And it's only from a place of being just deeply committed and knowing who Jesus is, not always secondhand. Like I love, you know, I love Bible studies. I love books. I love all of those things. I love good preaching. Um, I'm all for those things, but they cannot be our primary source. Like if we're going to go out and obey Jesus and love the lost and do the hard thing, we're going to have to know what he's saying to us. We're going to have to do what we see him doing. And that comes from just being in relationship, in covenant with Jesus. Mm. Um, And everything we do from that is an overflow of our time with him. And I think too, like we get, we put that in a box of like, okay, like a quiet time. What does that look like or whatever? But I really feel like um, there's a place that you can commune with Jesus all the time. Like, I don't think you have to say, I'm only going to do like five or 10 minutes or 30 minutes. It's like, like Jesus is always speaking to us and we can always be speaking to him. And some of the most beautiful ways that I obey him is just in the very mundane tasks of the day where um, my heart like tugs at somebody when I look at somebody at the grocery store and I'm like, just in my heart, like it's not weird, but I'm like, Jesus, what do you think about that person? You know, and then he tells me and then I get to like obey him, whether that means go up and like pray for them or just smile or just, um, Hey, how are you doing? Or whatever that is. But it's like, he is constantly talking to us. Mm -hmm. He loves to be with us. He loves to commune with us. And so I think the first thing is just having a very, um, yeah, active, (laughs) alive relationship with him. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. And I would, I would add maybe just on the end of that is, it starts with Jesus, starts with intimacy, and um, like just to plug in a resource, like we have something called the Calling Lab mm-hmm. um, that we've put on live. We also have like an online version, but that's like kind of the, it's really the focus of it. It's just to say, okay, I'm a believer in Jesus, but I've like, have I ever just sat at his feet and just like listened to his voice? Mm-hmm. And we just guide you through like what that looks like. And it's like from that intimate place, with Jesus is where we hear his voice and hear like what he's asking of us mm-hmm. and what he's wanting from us. And, and, um, sometimes that's just like what he's wanting from me today. You know, like you're saying mm-hmm. like, Hey, there's this person he needs me to love. And sometimes it's like, Hey, he's calling me to like move to this place and mm-hmm. like plant myself here and like love on this mm-hmm. population. We don't know. And that's the point is like intimacy with him is where, it starts. Yeah. So yeah, like, so if the Lord like calls me randomly and says, I want to move you to Alaska, like I want to know that that's him. Right. Sure. And I'm only going to know that is when I'm in a daily relationship with him and I know his voice. I mean, he says my sheep will know my voice. Um, and so I think pulling away from all the distractions and things and just 
um, getting used to just hearing his voice over your life. And so that when he does call you those big things or he makes you step out, right? So like you see somebody at the store and he's like, pray for them. And you're like, are you kidding me? Uh, that's not my comfort zone. But it's like the more you get used to hearing your, his voice, the, the easier the obedience is. Yeah. And and how beautiful that we get to practice that every day um, because we are going to have those big moments when we're going to have to obey, but it's so much easier to do that when you know his voice in the every day. Yes. Yeah, so I'd say that's obviously a great, like, first step, starting point mm-hmm. is that um, the next step, I would say, um, once you understand or have heard or um, are starting to, like, have that intimate place with him where you're, you're hearing his voice is to then just like, like we're going back to that parable is like, just to make that first step, like just do something with that. Um, so a friend of mine, really like a mentor of mine told me a story one time that, that really stuck to me about this. And, um, he's been doing this for like 20 years, just like living kingdom life, doing, you know, all these things. And, but he had a meeting with this couple and they were like, we feel like the Lord's given us this like calling that we're going to lead like this large network. I forget where they were from, like Louisiana or something, this large network. And we're just like, we've been waiting for like 10 years for the Lord to start this like work and we're going to lead it. And he was like, okay, well, what have you been doing like in the last 10 years? And they're like, well, we've just been, like, waiting for him to do that. And um, he, it's funny, Mitch Dunning's personality, he's, like, really, like, was mad. And he was like, that's, like, really inappropriate for you to think that you're going to, like, lead this, like, kingdom movement if you're not actually, like, doing anything yourself. You're just mm-hmm. sitting there waiting. And he, his advice to them was, like, go sell your washer and dryer mm-hmm. and go to the laundromat and... Uh, start doing your laundry there and just start loving the crap out of the people at the laundromat start yeah. there you know and like mm-hmm. and just their faces was just like what like <laughs> how could you say that but it's so good because I think that's where a lot of people get stuck it's like they're waiting on the Lord and, and like we we're saying earlier it's like they want some sort of qualification or like they want somebody to ordain them or whatever I don't know mm-hmm. what it's, it's like we hear the Lord and then we get stuck and it's like just to go somewhere just to do something just to be present um Mm -hmm. i was thinking of um, a story that i told last night about um well there's several i actually start with our friends and um and avery and you know like they've they felt like jesus was calling them to this small community um out like in rural east texas and they like obeyed and they've they've like moved and they're like they have like these dreams of like they're in like the poorest county in Texas and just like kind of community development bringing the gospel in there giving opportunities like the kids the young people there and the kids just don't see any way out or like any future and it's like they've moved there they've been there like what like a year and a half now mm-hmm. and like the Lord's doing things. It's not like this crazy movement right now, but I think there's just a lot of like, there's a huge significance in them just being there, Mm -hmm. being present, um, loving on the people that, that they are with and that they're around. And I think like sometimes just taking that step and just saying yes to whatever it is, how, no matter how simple it is just to 
to go out and just take that first step mm-hmm. is is really like profound and important. Yeah, yeah, I love that um, laundry mat story. It's so yeah, it's so beautiful. And I think you know we have to get ourselves out of our comfort zone. And we say this all the time, but it's like if it seems impossible, then it's probably the Lord. If it seems hard, then it's probably the Lord. And that's because he wants us to be desperate for him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like we can't do it without him. And and I just think that that's, yeah, a beautiful way to start. And I think too, just, yeah, getting yourself out of just your everyday. Like there's broken people. I think sometimes we get so stuck in our life and it's like just doing what you have to do. Like the daily grind, right? Going to work, taking care of kids, um, you know, school, all that stuff. But it's like, if you just take your, like, if you just shift your focus a few times a day, put your eyes on somebody else, um, just doing that will make a big difference. And God will start speaking to you about that. I would say surround yourself with, um, broken, hurting people. Like it's good. It's just, it's just good. It's good for us. It's good for them. Um, but I would say don't do that with like, um, any expectations or any like, this is like, I get like a star because I was around the poor today, but like really like being around them and loving them and trying to understand them, listening to their story. You know, one thing that I love about being with the most vulnerable is that really they're not much different than us. We have way more in common than we do. Mm -hmm. Um, that's different. And once you start finding those common places, it's really beautiful the way God moves. And one thing I always say is, or one thing that I have been surprised at is as I've just opened my heart to say, God, I'll go where you want me to go. And that looks different and it's really more simple than we make it. But what I see God doing is that he's moving so powerfully in the poor and in the broken um, because they're so aware of mm-hmm. their poverty, their lack. And it's that's just why I'm so attracted to being with them is because Jesus is moving so powerfully there. And um, so, yeah. Yeah, and that was one thing we also talked about was just the idea of like, yeah, like going back to like the calling or like asking Jesus what he wants you to do. It's like it's if it's something that sounds easy or you're like, yeah, totally. I can totally go do that. Like that's probably not Jesus. Yeah. Like go yes. back again. You know, like the more impossible, the more out of your comfort zone, the more that you're thinking, I don't know if I'm really like equipped for that or good yeah. at that. That's actually probably him. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's to me a misconception about like calling is that it's going to be like this wonderful thing that you're going to be so good at and you're just going to love it. And it's like, no, actually the harder and the more, like the more that you think it's impossible, the more that it's Jesus. Yeah. And if you go and ask him, what do you want me to do? And you come out saying, oh yeah, I can totally do that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You need to go back. Yeah. Ask again. Yeah. And, and, but still, even in that, even if it seems impossible, that's when you have to be obedient mm-hmm. and just do it. Yeah. Just try it. You don't have to be, you know, like that was, that was another thing we talked about last night is like, um, it's not rocket. Like we're not geniuses. None of mm-hmm. us are. Yeah. Like we're just a bunch of simple people that have just said yes. And, and we trust the Holy Spirit to give us the words, to give us the power, to give us the solutions. 
Mm -hmm. um, because we believe that Jesus is the head of the church and the Holy Spirit does empower us. Mm -hmm. And that that is actually the most important thing. Yeah. To do that. Okay, so then to wrap up, is there any other um, advice or tips we could give to somebody wanting to live out this this value? Yeah, I mean, I'll just say we've been do we've been saying it, but like, just do it. Like, just do something. You know, God can do anything with a little bit. You know, I think about um, like some of his most powerful miracles in the Bible, like feeding the 5,000 or turning the water into wine. It's like he could have done, he could have done that from nothing, but he was like, he required them to bring him something. Mm -hmm. It was like, bring me the water and he turned it to wine. Bring me the little bit of fish in the loaves. It's like when we just give him a little bit, our little yes, or a little obedience, or just even an open heart to say, Lord, I'm willing to hear you and be with you and sit with you. It's like, it's amazing what he can do with that. Like he can do unbelievable things. All he's looking for is just a little bit to say, I don't have much God. I'm not the smartest. I'm not the most talented. I don't have many resources, but here's my little yes to you. And just starting, um, yeah, just at his feet in his presence and, um, just being willing to do whatever he says, even when it sounds ridiculous, cause it probably will be. Um, but it's really beautiful what he can do with just our little bit. Yes. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So I guess we can wrap up there and, um, yeah, this is a great manifesto value. Um, like I said, we've, we had our huddle. We do our huddle the first Sunday of the month, um, upstairs at our, at our Joe's coffee shop. And then we just try to, um, really focus, press into, pray into these values each month. Um, so I would invite you if you, want to reach out to one of us or like learn more about this or even like whatever we're available um to talk to chat whatever meet you in person um just reach out to us at centermp.com and yeah we thank you for listening and we pray that this edifies your soul and that this blesses you today this is the kingdom